So I'm a fiercely competitive person. Uh, it's one of those things that I've always had from uh, a child uh, playing Norse and Crosses. I had to win uh, into my teenage years when uh, it became football and other sports at school. Uh, I just, I played to win. There was no two ways about it. I didn't see much point in taking part if I wasn't trying to win. My adulthood has been exactly the same. And I completely understand that idea that it's the taking part that counts. I get that. I just don't necessarily agree with it. <laughs> because this is the reason why. Taking part does count, but if you're taking part not to win, you're kind of just getting in the way of people like me that do want to win. So there is an element where when we take part in things, we do want to win. There is a competitive nature in simply participating. But I am one of those people that wants to win. Board games are quite possibly the least popular thing in my house, largely because Laura knows when we're playing a board game, I'm competitive. And I will play the game hard. Old school board games were a challenge. Anyone played Monopoly? Has anyone played um, a game called Ticket to Ride? Okay, so John has a good. So Ticket to Ride is uh, this new development of board games that are being produced, where it's not just simply the objective to get your piece around the board and collect things. The idea is at the same time to sabotage someone else's game. And you can imagine for someone who has a tendency to be competitive, other people sabotaging my game is not good. <laughs> Ticket to ride is simple enough. You're given routes at the start, the board is a map, and the idea is that you collect train pieces to allow you to take your journey, and you collect points as you do so. The problem is, the map only has so many routes, and other people need to use the same route as you. So whilst you may be heading from one place to the other quite happily, someone else will cut across you, and you need to take a detour, until someone else uses your detour, and eventually there is no way for you to get to the point you need to get to to win the game. As I said, I'm competitive, it doesn't always go down well. But it's something that I've been really challenged by. I've been really challenged by the idea that is my over-competitiveness ungodly? Is it a risk? Is it a danger to who God wants me to be? And that led to a bigger question, and the question I want us to begin to consider this morning. Is ambition and drive ungodly? Is being someone who's ambitious and has drive, is that a problem for God? So this is the question I want to ask. Am I allowed to dream big dreams for myself? Are we allowed to dream big dreams, to have big ambitions? Or should we always be meek? Should we always be lowly? Should we always be in the background, just, you know, we're just making sure things tick along? So I'm not sure if any of you have wrestled with this. Many of you, like me, have some part of you which aspires, and yet you are met with this feeling of being a little bit too proud. Maybe it's a bit arrogant to want those things. But I believe as we stand on the tip of 2018, God wants to bring not just clarity to that question, but actually to infuse a drive within us to pursue some of those dreams and ambitions. As I said, I'm going to challenge you a little bit this morning. There's a little bit of engagement with the paper and pens that you have in front of you. So I want to ask this question. I want you to consider it, and I'd like you to write the answers on your piece of paper. Ideally, use half your piece of paper. And the question is this. What do I feel are the dreams and ambitions God has given me? What do I feel are the dreams and ambitions 
God has given me. For some of you, that's easy. For some of you, that just flows. For others of you, that's a real bind, a real wrestle. Because you feel like dreams and ambitions, well, they're, they're godly, that's good. Those people have godly ones, but mine, mine seems selfish. Mine are more worldly. But I want to encourage both sets. There is no real difference. There's no real difference between the ones that seem spiritual and the ones that seem worldly, because God made us in his image. He knows the desires of our heart. And if we walk with him and live out the calling to be ambassadors for him, then the things that are on our heart will be very similar to the things that are on God's heart. So I challenge you, as I said, write down those things. As you are, I just want to let you in on one of mine. I did this a while ago. I have a, a huge desire, Martin knows this, I would love one day to be a conference speaker. I would love the opportunity to stand in a room with thousands of people and share the word of God with them. Something that I've always just aspired to do. And it sounds horrendously arrogant. It sounds incredibly arrogant to stand here and say, you know what, one day, God, I want to stand up on stage in front of thousands of people and bring your word to them. So I should surely scale that back. Surely more realistic is an ambition to make teas and coffees at church. Maybe I should scale it back and just be in the background making sure things happen. Be humbler. <coughs> be more serving. I'm sure some of you are wrestling with exactly that. The thing you want to write seems arrogant. Seems foolhardy to consider something like that. So we're going to go right back to the beginning of the story that we heard concluded just now. Genesis 37. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers they hated him all the more, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his fathers as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So before we start telling each other to calm down and scale back our dreams, we have a wonderful example of someone who is having dreams and aspirations way above their station. Someone who was in a situation that didn't warrant the dreams he had. Joseph wanted his own family to bow down before him. So I encourage you, write down the dreams and ambitions. Write down the things that maybe you were holding back. Be vulnerable and be honest. Please, I do encourage you to participate. Don't be afraid to write those things down. The reason I bring this forward is I believe God gives us dreams, gives us desires, gives us aspirations. 
The problem is to get from where we are to where those dreams and aspirations are is a challenge. Sadly, it's not as simple as going to bed on the end of 2017 and waking up in 2018 and having arrived at the dreams that we hold. It's not that easy. As we see with Joseph, it's not quite the plain sailing that maybe he thought it would be when he had those dreams. Because next up is Brother Selim, which seems bad, but is actually fairly good, considering their first plan was to kill him. From killing him, they scaled it back a little bit, and instead they threw him in a well. And then they realized that there was an opportunity here, and they could actually sell him. So they sold their brother into slavery. For some of us, as we look down at that piece of paper, we see dreams and ambitions that seem so far off. It seems so unrealistic. For others of you, and I still believe this will be true, you've not written down the true dreams and ambitions that you have. Because the person you are now, in the situation you're in right now, doesn't feel worthy of writing them. You feel too far away. You feel too out of place. Hear this. It was unlikely for someone like Joseph to find his family bowing down to him in his hometown. It was less likely from the bottom of a well. It was outrageous to consider once he was a slave. So wherever you are, whatever it is you feel disqualifies you from having dreams and ambitions, hear this. God is bigger than them. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, does not stop God from being able to bring about his plan in your life. And that's an amazing truth to hold on to. Anything you held back from writing, anything, no matter what the reason, believe this, God is bigger than our failing. God, praise him, is bigger than the failings of others that have affected us. And he's bigger than any place, situation, that we may find ourselves in. So I want us to consider how do we move forward. I don't want to just set this up. So how do we move forward? Hands up anyone who has made a New Year's resolution ever. Not just now, like ever, ever, ever. Okay. Hands up anyone that's actually managed to finish this year completing one of their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Not just me, though. I am a huge fan of the idea of New Year's resolutions. I am a massive fan, but I am a huge pessimist when it comes to the idea of actually achieving them. I think my record is March, my average is January, and on a whole I've given up. I did that one thing one year where it's like, my New Year's resolution is not to make New Year's resolutions, and I'm pretty sure I failed at that. But I believe in them because I think there's something in committing. I think there's something in committing to doing something. We're going to dip back into Joseph's story. We read forward in Genesis 39. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes, in his eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. 
With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he entrusts to my care. No one is greater in this house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing to sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her, or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph had the Lord with him. We read that in verse 2, and we see Potiphar recognizing. But that's not what I want to focus on. Instead, I want to focus on this, and it's awkward. Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph. She desired him. She made no effort to hide it. In fact, she went completely the other way and acted upon that desire. Time and time again, she tried it, and time and time again, Joseph resisted her advances. Joseph stayed loyal to Potiphar, but he also stayed true to his own values. Stay true to the man that he felt God wanted him to be. He dedicated himself to the things of God. And in doing so, was able to withstand those advances. It may not seem like a logical step from the dreams that Joseph began with to resisting the attempts of his <laughs> wife. But it is a key part of the journey for Joseph because step by step, he was living out the life that would equip him to become the person God needed him to be. So I want you to look back at your list. For some of you, it might be one dream. For some of you, there might be a couple in there. I want you to focus on one. I want you just to pick one of those dreams, one of those ambitions, and that's the one we're going to move forward with. I want you to consider this. Some, so consider some of the things you could do to move towards your dream. What are some of the steps that you could take? Joseph, at this point, was pure. He'd taken steps of purity, and he remained pure despite everything that was going on around him. So for some of us, maybe it's something that we need to add to our lives. For some of us, it might be things we need to take away. While you're writing, I'll give you an insight into my list. As I said, that ambition to be a conference speaker. I realized that there was quite a few things I'd need to add to myself. So my list included, not exclusively, there was way more than this, but I needed to read my Bible daily. I felt like I needed to expand my Bible knowledge outside of simply just reading, but read what others said. I needed to listen and learn from other speakers. <coughs> I needed to learn to take time out to hear more of what it was God wanted to say. And as I said, that list went on and on and on. And it was incredibly daunting. It's incredibly daunting to consider the dreams we have and then consider what it is we need to do to get to them. What is it we need to do to fulfill those dreams? So what is it that you can do? What are the steps that you need to take? As I was saying, New Year's resolutions, you might see them as good, you might see them as bad. You may well be one of these people that just considers them pointless. For some of us, they're fun. But as I said, for me, I think there's something to it. I think there's something to committing. 
So I want to encourage you all to take up one New Year's resolution. And I want it to come from your list. I want you to look at that list, and I want you to pick one thing. One thing that you can step-by-step step commit this next year, 2018, to adding to your life, or taking away from your life. Like me, you may be looking at that list going, there are 8, 10, 15 things on my list. How is one going to make a difference? This was inspired by a talk that I listened to from someone else, and he said this. He's been doing this now for 10 years, and when he started, he added one thing to his life for the year. The second year, he added another, but he continued the first year. By year 10, he had added 10 new habits that were daily ingrained into his life. So rather than failing 10 in January, he was able to add all 10 without growing despondent, without the frustration. So I want you to add one. Pick one from that list, one thing which you can add or take away, a discipline to engage in for the year of 2018. And I pray as you engage and as you begin to move towards the dreams and ambitions that God's placed in you, you'll do the same in 2019. And as time goes on, you will craft in yourself the skills and the gifts and the characteristics that God wants you to have. Let's agree to focus on this year being a year that builds to something. Let it be a stepping stone into a greater thing. For me, the one I picked was to read my Bible every day. Not easy. Amazing how busy life can get. But I felt like that was an important step to take. For Joseph, it was to keep himself pure. For Joseph, he kept himself pure. He didn't want to let anything slip. His journey to fulfill his dreams that he had all the way back in his hometown, amongst his family, required him to have daily habits daily disciplines that kept God at the center. So what is that one step that you're going to take towards the dreams and ambitions God's given you? As we move on in the story, I love this bit, and this is a huge encouragement to all of us. Joseph wound up in jail. Finds himself in jail for a crime he didn't commit. So does this mean that everything we do, all the drive, all the ambition, all the time and effort we put in is worthless? Can we just discard it because we find Joseph in chains? He remains pure and still finds himself in prison. Genesis 40, sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. It was the same prison where Joseph was confined. Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream on the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there was no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Let's take that as year two for Joseph. 
if purity was 2018, Joseph's 2019 was beginning to allow God to give him the gift of interpreting dreams. We know he didn't have it at the start because he had two dreams and didn't know how they would work out. But now he's been brought two dreams. And through the work of God in his life, he's able to bring revelation as to what they mean. This is key. God didn't miss Joseph going to prison. It wasn't like God went, oh great, Joseph's been pure. And then she still, Potiphar's wife lied and now he finds himself in prison. And God's now got to get him a good defense attorney. That's not what happened here. God is using prison as much as he used slavery. Whilst he's in prison, again, we read that God is still with him. He's treated well by the guards. He's being true to it is who he believes God called him to be. And he adds this other discipline, this ability to interpret dreams. So let's take this important fact for you as individuals. Where you are right now, or in a year's time, does not disqualify you from the dreams and ambitions you have. Where you are, where you find yourself, does not disqualify you. In the underbelly of Egypt, under the watch of guards, Joseph is now mixing with people who have the ear of the king of Egypt. Not the place you would expect your job prospects to advance from prison. But by being in prison, Joseph is meeting with people who would never have had the opportunity to then find them. People who have the very ear of Pharaoh. Where you are might seem a million miles away from where you want to get to. Those dreams and ambitions may seem so lofty, but you have no idea what God is preparing around you. Who God is bringing into your life to equip you. Looking at those dreams, looking at those aspirations on your piece of paper, what is it that you feel disqualifies you from them? What is it that keeps you as far from them? What is it that keeps you from ever really embracing them, ever really pursuing them? Because <coughs> ironically, it could be those very things that God is using to draw you closer to them. Prison did not seem like a logical step forward. And yet it was the very place God needed Joseph to be to advance the plans he had for him. So where you are may not look like you expect it to. But it could be exactly where God needs you. Before we enter this final section, I want to say this. This isn't a message just to puff everyone up as we enter 2018. This isn't one of those, let's talk about all the nice things that God might do and make everyone feel good as we enter another year. Instead, it's this. I believe God wants us to be an ambitious people. I believe God wants us to be a people that pursue the dreams and the aspirations that he's given us. And I believe those dreams are bigger than we are. I believe those aspirations are greater than we can achieve. Why? Because we have a God who can do immeasurably more than we can. And that's what releases those dreams into reality. So I want to see us as a church as individuals, becoming the people that God wants us to be, achieving the things that he's placed within our hearts. The dreams and ambitions of God's people aren't pipe dreams. They're not simply carrots that he places in front of us to keep us on the right track. He's not using them to manipulate us. They are insights 
into the potential that God placed in you when he knitted you together in the womb. That's what Joseph saw a glimpse of, the potential of who he could be with God fully at work in his life. So what is it that will mark your first step? What's the thing that you've chosen to begin that journey to fulfilling it? In closing, I just want to read this. Genesis 41. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servant, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream on the same night, and each dream had its own meaning. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them, and interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he said. I was restored to my position, while the other was in pain. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. <coughs> Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. As we move forward, it reads this. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. The Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot, and he was his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or a foot in Egypt. Have you ever considered what would have happened in this story if Joseph was the father to Potiphar's wife's child? Have you considered that we just read Joseph resisted the advances of a woman? What God saw was someone honourable enough to be his representative in Egypt. Have you considered what would have happened if in the dungeon Joseph had thrown assault and refused to talk to anyone, refused to interpret the dreams of the cupbearer? He would have missed out on the part of the journey that God needed to bring him before Pharaoh. At every stage, Joseph chose to look to God. At every stage, he chose to be the person he believed God was making him to be. A small boy who had a dream, a dream that set him to the pit of wealth and then into slavery, to be seduced by someone's wife, thrown in prison for a crime he didn't commit, interpret a dream for two powerful men and then be completely forgotten by the one who had Pharaoh's ear. All of this before eventually being put in charge of all of the resources of Egypt. And as we heard in that fantastic reading at the start, when the famine strikes, his family have no choice but to come before the resource master of Egypt and beg for food, to bow down before him and ask. This is key. This whole journey that Joseph went on, years, years passed from the dreams of a young boy. That whole journey could have made him bitter and twisted. He could have held grudges. He could have sat there watching his brothers before him and milked every minute of it. Manipulated them, done whatever he needed to. He could have been the worst kind of leader. But instead, 
He embraces his brothers and holds them tight. He sends for his father so that he can see him again. The journey Joseph was on made him the leader God needed him to be. As you look at those dreams and aspirations, as you rule opportunities out because they don't seem to fit how you feel God would do things, they're the very things carving your character into that of the person God needs you to be. What can we do to get to those dreams? And just take it one step at a time. One year at a time. I don't know what they look like for you. But I believe God places them within us. And I believe God wants to bring fruition to those dreams. Our responsibility? To remain on the path he sets out for us. Remain faithful to him. Continue to let him carve you into the person that he needs you to be to fulfill those dreams. Joseph's journey doesn't look like you might expect. But a young boy who dreams of his family bowing down in front of him wasn't some ego-tripped kid. It was God giving him a glimpse of the responsibility he would hold for the entirety of Egypt and beyond. The well-being of an entire nation rested on him becoming the leader God needed him to be. So I encourage you, if you ignored everything I said about writing something down, do it this afternoon. Take the time to consider what are the dreams and aspirations I have? What ambitions do I have? What is it that God placed in me? And break it down. <coughs> step by step. It's okay to be ambitious. It's okay to dream big. You have no idea what it might be for one thing.